Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're here. This is John Katsimatidis. We have a great show for you today and tomorrow. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, and uh, who better to have than we have Cardinal uh, Dolan going to call in and wish everybody a great uh, St. Patrick's Day, and uh, we're looking forward for his call. In the studio with us today, we have a Jewish guy. Uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. The judge, the judge is picked out. Yeah, His not, green tie for tomorrow. You're not, you're not uh, a, a quasi Irish guy. A, a low Angl- Anglican. An Anglican. Yes, an uh, Anglican. The new chairman of New York State for the GOP. Bravo. Bravo. Even David Patterson's and laughing the, there. The former oh. governor and the former head of the Democratic uh, State Chair. Uh, David Patterson. What, what else do you have? The state chair of the Democratic <laughs> Party, the Republican Party, and, 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 and one Jew to make sure everybody's, uh, <laughs> honest. <laughs> and, and a, a judge. And a Polish Catholic. And, and, and a Polish Catholic. A Polish husband. Catholic girl here. There you go. And I'm the lucky one with all of you guys. Um, by the way, you have not stopped since today. Um, we all just had a great meeting with current New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Oh, it was a great meeting, and, you know, he is the governor of an adjacent state here to New York, and uh, like 30% or 40% of our listeners are from New Jersey, and uh, he's going to be calling in uh, on Sunday for our show, too, and and uh, we got a lot of questions to ask Sunday on how he feels about congestion pricing, uh, how he feels about education, uh, because our education system is suffering in New York. Are you going to ask him about the whales, what's happening uh, the, off the coast? Uh, yes. I love animals, and uh, we're going to find out what he knows about the whales. So make sure you tune in to Cat's Roundtable on Sunday between uh, 8 and 10 o'clock, and uh, Governor uh, Murphy is going to be here, and, and he'll be answering all those questions. I can't wait. By the way, we have a blockbuster show, everybody, here on Cats and Cosby. Of course, we've got the Cardinal coming up, Cardinal Dolan, with the St. Patrick's Day greeting. We also have Tony Schaefer, and this is huge news. Because it just came out a little bit ago that Poland will be sending to Ukraine four MiG-29 fighter jets in the coming days. Uh, basically saying, we're going to go it alone. If you guys in NATO are not going to do it, we're going to do it alone. This is a big deal. I know you were talking I about I know that. those Polish guys are really tough guys, but I don't want them to get us into World War Three. I know they are tough. And by the way, I can speak. I, my father was a freedom fighter in Poland, um, and they just feel, look, they're right there on the border, Ed Cox. Uh, they're not going to get us in World War Three, John. I assure you of that. No. And it's the right. right thing to it's the right thing to do. It's the right, absolute right, absolute thing, to right thing to do. Show I'm strength, surprised the Russians they didn't will sneak back it. Down. I'm yep. surprised. And you and I were talking about this, Ed Cox, that they didn't sort of sneak it in already on oh, like I a, you know. They, I thought they had. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I did too. But you had the inside information. They didn't. Yeah, you should really publicize that you're going to do it when you've already done it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Exactly. exactly. And, and now calling in, we have his eminence, uh, Timothy uh, Cardinal Dolan. Um, your eminence. How are you, John? Nice to be. Who's there with you, Rita and Ed? We have uh, Rita, and, and the we governor, have Governor Patterson, Hi, your eminence. Uh, Ed Cox, uh, the new chairman of the GOP, and uh, we have one Jewish guy to make sure we're all okay. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. 
Nice to have well, you, you know, your, your eminence. I'm glad, I'm glad, John, you got at least some Irish guys there. Way to go. I feel at home. <laughs> John, can I get serious for a minute? What do you hear from the relief efforts? I, I just uh, sent some help from us to uh, Archbishop Elpidophilus for the relief efforts in uh, Turkey and Syria. I know you've been we you've raised been, uh, uh, half a million, We raised a half a million dollars to, to, to help the relief efforts in in Turkey and in Syria, and uh, right now uh, uh, the Archbishop of Pitofotos is in Constantinople, uh, supervising uh, supervising it on behalf of uh, America. Uh, and um, I worry, yeah. I worry about what's going on in uh, Turkey with the people there. I worry what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Oh. So many people are dying, Your Eminence, and there's no real reason for it. I mean, I joked about it the other day by saying, and it's no joke, instead of all these people dying on, uh, on the battlefield, why don't we have a boxing match between uh, uh, Putin and Zelensky? Let's take it out on the soccer field, John. You yep. know it. We don't need the boxing matches. Well, and look, well, uh, and on our own streets, you know, we got this violence. And I mean, my God, in the classroom and in the in shopping centers and everything else, there's just a disregard for life. And then you see that, yeah, you see about Ukraine. Of course, we can't blame uh, we can't blame the tragedy of the earthquake on anything but nature. But still, it 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 teaches us the sanctity of human life, which is a biggie for tomorrow, isn't it? I know that's what absolutely. You're it's to uh, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, and we're all celebrating here on WABC, and and uh, you're celebrating. You have a a great breakfast at the cathedral, uh, and you, uh, you have a great ceremony at the cathedral. And I remember the the lines, and it's going to be a nice day tomorrow. It's going to be a good day. We got huge crowds. It's so big. We do three collections. I tell you, you don't want to you don't want to pass up a crowd like that. <laughs> wow, that's a good day. Right. <laughs> you need any help from Rabbi Potashnik or? Uh, yeah, he. I won't let him count it. Every year he wants to. Count it. <laughs> that. So, but you know, John and company, this is what this is what amazes me about St. Patrick's Day. Everybody feels part of it because it sort of becomes an icon of what every immigrant group has felt. Uh, they come here. They come here in distress. These, uh, the, I just met with a group of people from County Cavan where my great great grandpa came from in 1851 after he buried his two parents from the famine and he was going to starve to death if he didn't get out. They came here in distress. Governor Patterson, think of your, your great ancestors. They came here in real distress. They didn't even choose to come here. They were, they came here in ropes. And, but, but the immigrant groups come here and, and darn it, and especially for the Irish, for the Greeks, for, that they find in America a sanctuary, and it might take a while, like it like it has for some groups. But ultimately, they're, they're so grateful, and they still got their memories. They're proud of their heritage, their traditions, their customs. And as I see all these people celebrating St. Patrick's Day, even if they don't have a drop of Irish blood in their DNA, they're still saying we feel the same way, and let's all celebrate together. And look, to get back to what we were just hinting at. We need that unity today, don't we? There's too much division. There's too much vitriol going on. We need we we need to back back each other up and and feel some solidarity and and unity here. So God willing, tomorrow will do your it. Eminence, it has been for over 250 years. Your, your Eminence, uh, Judge Weinberg said one Jew in the studio is not enough. We called in a rabbi. 
Well, yeah, also, who's here? I've also converted David Patterson, so he's an additional Jew. Uh, <laughs> well, your eminence, I'm going to see you tomorrow, but he, you mentioned you're 250. Coming, you're coming, Rabbi. I'm being there, but I want kosher corned beef at the Archdiocese. <laughs> not, uh, not the other stuff. Well, why don't you why don't you bring your own lunchbox? Okay? <laughs> most, most of the time, most of the time, Rabbi Potasnik does carryouts from here. We got to wrap up the leftovers tomorrow. That you includes bring your the collection own, as well. Yeah. You well are you counting the money for the cardinal? I, no, no. I, I have to make the appeal. He says no, <laughs> Rabbi. He says he's not allowing you, Rabbi Potasnik. Last, last time I let him count the collection. Last time I let him count the collection, he called an Uber and drove down to Atlantic City. <laughs> Yeah, Eminence. I want a Jewish march as well. We want equal time. Did you hear he wants equal time, Your Eminence? Well, Rabbi, you'll back me up here. We were just talking about the unity tomorrow that everybody feels. The Jews and the Irish have a lot. They say that the Jews and the Irish have the largest diaspora in the world, in that there are people. They had to. They had to leave, and they were. They were persecuted. They were oppressed. They spread all over the place, and now they're proud of wherever they're at. And this is a great day for all of us. Uh, John Castamatitas, your your grandparents felt the same way, didn't they? Well, they left. They left uh, Constantinople. They left Venetianos in nineteen thirteen and came to America. See, you got it. You got it. We all. We, we all left. Now, let, let me ask a question: If we don't straighten out our country, are we all leaving here too? <laughs> Well, listen, I'm about ready to go back to Ireland if things don't get any, any better around here. They'll take me back. So, uh, yeah, it, you, you, do, you do worry about that. I mean, it's for some people, the American dream, which our ancestors cherish and which we celebrate tomorrow, has turned into an American nightmare. And that's why we need to recover a sense of tradition and memory and family and faith and friendship and community and cooperation. That's what it's all about. That's what tomorrow is all about. And, boy, do we ever need that. Yeah. Uh, the sense of isolation and division that we felt that was it's so... It's horrible. It's horrible what's and, going on. Even, even Eric Adams, even Mayor Adams said we need more religion. Well, uh, uh, it, I'll, I, he, he's, he's right on target. He's right right, on I was target. with him last night, and he said, let's get a picture. I said, you sure you're not going to get in trouble for the ACLU? Let me tell you oh. what the Cardinal has done here in New York. His door, his residence is open to people of all faiths. So tomorrow we join with you. Then we go into our Sabbath. Uh, Sunday you have services. By Monday, God is exhausted. Uh, are, are the Greeks allowed to? Uh, I'll get you in. You're always welcome. Yeah. You're always welcome, John. But you and how's, it is, how's, how's Margo doing, okay? Margo's better. Her back is a little bit better, and uh, she's 90% there. It's not 100% yet. Okay. Is she still doing her rehab and all? A little bit, yes. Okay. We're getting her a Jewish right. doctor. Well, listen, that, that will cure before her. Before we, we, we cut That'll off, there's one important item we need. Sure. Uh, we need Tell Governor Hochul. We need Governor Hochul to put her foot down to get law and order in New York City. And if you talk to her, please advise her. She's going to be here tomorrow. I'll 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 bring her. I'll I'll take her into the corner to talk to her, and I'll have somebody steal her. She's purse. a tough. She'll get the <laughs> she's a tough Irish girl, and she's got to get her toughness up. She's a woman of common sense. Yes, and she's got. I think her 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 instincts are in the right place, but I think she might. Be listening to wrong people on this because we need it. Uh, Governor so. Governor Patterson has given her advice because he may, he faced the same budgets and sure and there's a way to win. And Governor Patterson has given her the advice how to win. 
He's a good man to listen to. That he is. I was thinking of your dad the other day, Governor. How long has he been gone? Nine years of this a- April. I was just thinking I about that it, myself. I thought it was in the spring. Yeah, and it was I, in the I spring. Was of, I was listening to you on the radio, and I said, "His dear dad." I remember going to the wake there, and it was nine years ago. My oh my, yeah. And tomorrow oh, he's celebrating his fifteenth anniversary since becoming governor of New York. Is is it tomorrow? You know, it is, uh, Governor, because I came here 14 years ago, and they were still talking about you being the governor, and I remember meeting you that first day, and I think Joe Potasnik was was with you. Uh, I was. He usually is. (laughs) I protect him. How is Ed Ed Cox doing, okay? We're we're doing well, uh, Your Eminence, very well. (laughs) Way to go, Ed. God bless you. I'm looking forward to St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. Way to go. Yeah, Eminence. Who's the the judge on with you? Judge Richard Weinberg. Weinberg. He ran the city along with Peter Vallone during Vallone's uh, when he was speaker. We need the Italians and the and the Jewish leaders back together again. Come on. All right? Absolutely. Uh, judge? You Your Eminence, I hope you have a wonderful day tomorrow. It's a great day for New York, and it's a Happy great day St. for the Irish people. Yeah, we love I you. We love you. Appreciate being on with you. Hope to see you tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Your Eminence. Thank, you, Your Thank you. What a blessing to have you. Thank yes. you. And, uh, well, our other guests, we apologize because we're late because you never hang up on the Cardinal. Yeah, you can't hang no. up on the Cardinal. Well, That's you know, for we'll, sure. We'll, we'll go to that place. I don't want to mention their name. Yeah, you're without, right. Without passing go, without collecting $200. Sounds like Monopoly a little bit. That's true. That's true. I know okay. that place. Rita, but, you're on. Absolutely. Well, we were just talking. We have a good excuse for being a little delayed because of your evidence. And thank you also, Rabbi Potasnik, we love you. Thank you very much. And we were talking about my Polish Catholic background. Big news, of course, with now Poland giving MiGs, they said, fighter jets to Ukraine. This is a big deal. Everybody's talking about it. And joining us here on Cats and Cosby is retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He's president of the London Center for Policy Research and also Project Sentinel. Uh, Tony, we love having you here. Uh, sorry, of course, it was uh, his eminence, as you heard, Cardinal Dolan. But real quick, your reaction. This is huge news that Poland says, you know what? They've been wanting to give the MiG jets to Ukraine. They said they're finally going to do it alone. So uh, uh, great to be on with you guys. Should I go to co- uh, to confession first before I join you guys? <laughs> you might need to. You uh, might. Maybe I feel guilty. You know, maybe I go. You know, kind of confess my sins before I talk to you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, Tony. He was, anyway, he was no, uh, it's really always great to be on with you guys. You look, um, it's a good move. It's compatible with what the Ukrainians are already trained to, to do to use. Uh, the Ukrainians have been uh, trained and used uh, Russian-made aircraft. These are MiG-29s are Russian-made, and I think it's a good move. I, I don't necessarily think it's a good idea for the F-16s. That's an entirely different class of aircraft and everything else. So I think this is, if you're going to help the Ukrainians, this is kind of doing something that actually will, will be meaningful. The problem is obviously the timing. Uh, they should have done this uh, six months ago. Uh, the, the, I don't, I've, I've often commented, I don't understand why, if they're going to actually jump in and help the Ukrainians, why the, the support is so delayed and kind of laid out over time? It should be. You know why, though, in uh, this case, Tony, why they did. The polls actually wanted to do it. I know some of the background on this. The polls actually wanted to do it and then said, OK, we'll fly them basically to Germany. And then they wanted the right. U.S. to deliver it. So they weren't going at it alone. And the U.S. said we won't touch them. 
So they ended up saying, okay, well, we'll wait. And they finally said, we can't wait any longer. We're trying to help Ukraine. Right. right. And so I'm glad they're finally moving forward with it. But well, my question is only four planes? Yeah. I thought it was more than that. They were, they were talking back way back when, when they were thinking, taking the Germany and then that whole thing. Only four. Yeah, that's what the latest, the headlines are saying. Four in the coming days, four MiGs. Those are the ones yeah. they have. That's yeah. Ed Cox. Yeah. That sounds. I hope that's only the beginning. So they, it they should need be. At least, yeah. they, they need at least five squadrons to be effective. Exactly. Yeah. It, sounds, it sounds like too are, little too late. Right, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's like if you're going to do this, you have to get all in immediately. You, you can't, like, dribbles and drabs just don't help because you don't give them the critical combat power they need to be effective. And at this point, we just saw the drone the drone debacle these last few days. Look, uh, there, there's an air war going on, and if you're going to support the Ukrainians, then support the Ukrainians. Get in there and, and give them the support they need. But isn't Otherwise, this, Tony, indicative of Biden, too? Because Biden's been drip, drip, drip. I mean, he's, you know, he's sort of at the helm of it all. And he's been so lackluster in terms of it. You, and even did the minor incursion comment early on. And I think that only encouraged Putin because Putin then had the impression, oh, I can just take a little bit and not worry about it. But And I think that's the issue. And and Biden suffers from uh, what I call the noise before defeat. Uh, Sun Tzu said, tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And that's what Biden's doing. He's doing little things here and there. He doesn't have a comprehensive, effective team behind him putting together uh, a, 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 a holistic approach to achieving victory. And uh, it's like I watched the news conference with Lloyd Austin. And I know Lloyd Austin. I was in combat with Lloyd. He gave me my bronze star. I know Mark Milley from when I was in the transition team. They look shell-shocked. And I don't know why they look so reluctant to actually walk in, give the president an effective plan to say, these are the pieces we need. This is when they need to show up and then make it all show up at a time that's that's necessary. So Tony, what we is, what we don't have is a major speech from the president of the United States about why right. we're in Ukraine, and he did right. not do that. And we need to basically, uh, look, I've done this a day or two. You always begin with the end in mind. What do you want to achieve? What are we trying to do? And then what, how do we go about resourcing it, putting the right people in, in charge to win? And again, uh, you know, I, I just don't see the winning spirit coming from the Pentagon at this point, and it's really sad. You know, Tony, this is David Patterson. I was just listening to my good friend Ed Cox talking about a major speech by the president. I'm a big fan of, you know, old speeches. I like to listen to them. And I listened to one about a week ago from May 16th, 1963. We're coming up on the 60th anniversary of it. The speaker was John F. Kennedy. And the difference between what he was saying then and what people are saying now is he said, wherever American interests can be hurt, we need to strike back. It's almost as if the people in charge now aren't going to wait until someone attacks Miami before they do something about it. Bravo. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. I, I think uh, if you had Kennedy in the White House today, and as we all know, I just rewatched uh, 13 Days recently just to remind myself of how you had men of courage of either party actually doing those things necessary to define our interests and act on them. And at this point, uh, we've just not had anybody willing to actually pick up the mantle of leadership, try to figure out how we need to do this. Because, you know, I'm no fan of Putin, but Putin at this point has been much more effective in messaging. He's made it very clear to the world. He's, he's not being a, the butcher because he's trying to make sure that the, the African nations and the third world and unaffiliated nations don't see him in a bad light. Uh, you've got China now j- jumping in. We're doing nothing to turn and that's the thing, too. Reed and I talk often about this. Yep. One of the things about Kennedy, uh, about other great leaders, Reagan, 
is that there, there was two words they were effective in using, credible deterrence. Yep. There was credibility behind their words. And right now, nobody believes Biden because Biden is so soft on everything. And uh, Tony, uh, we got to wrap it up there. You're terrific. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we apologize because, of course, uh, uh, you have to go to confession, as you mentioned, <laughs> because yeah, we had the card. The, the, the closest preach, priest and, and to find him and, and confess all my sins. So <laughs> it's wonderful and, to and, have and, you and If your sins don't get forgiven, we'll take you to higher Swiss. thank you i look forward to it (laughs) thank you tony schaefer thanks so much and john when we come back here on cats and cosby congresswoman nicole maliotakis talking about congestion pricing that much more after the break a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories it's john katsimatidis and rita cosby cats and cosby on 77 wabc and welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Continuing here, this is Rita Cosby with the great best-selling author John Katzenmatidis, also Judge Richard Weinberg, also Ed Cox, and former New York Governor David Patterson. And uh, John, we have now with us Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. And boy, is there a lot to talk about, Congresswoman, especially with congestion pricing. You are getting in there on the good fight. Tell us about it. Yes, and we had the governor of New Jersey in the, our office today, and, and he's going to come back on on Sunday uh, morning. And he's uh, on your side along with uh, your congressman from New Jersey. Yes, there's uh, bipartisan opposition to this congestion uh, what we call a cash grab. It's basically a $23 toll to enter into Manhattan's uh, city center. And as you know, John, for people who rely on their vehicles, if they are, let's say, a nurse that, that has to be at work at 5 a.m. in the morning or, you know, they're a senior a citizen who's going in for dialysis and being driven, uh, or if they are just somebody who's a waiter getting off at 2 a.m., they may not be comfortable riding public transit in terms of as long as the crime is the way it is. Uh, and that's why I say if we want people to ride uh, mass transit, we need them to make our subway system safe. I know they're adding cops, and that should be making a difference, and that's something that I've long advocated for. Uh, but certainly to hit people over the head with another toll to enter to Manhattan, I think is going to be not only hurtful to those individuals costing them thousands of dollars uh, a year, but on top of it, I think it's going to hurt New York's economy because people want to be able to go into Manhattan to enjoy a show or to go to dinner or you know, everything that New York has to offer. But I think it's going to hurt us during this time of recovery uh, if they do this. It's like Manhattan is already in trouble with the offices being empty, with people not coming in on Mondays and Fridays, and we're going to put a nail in the coffin. Was that the old expression? Well, that's that's how I see it. And I think that, you know, this is just another cash grab by the MTA, who, by the way, received about $15 billion in federal funding um, they are always right. It seems like it's a black hole. No matter how much you give this organization, it seems to disappear and be squandered. And that is why we're also calling for a federal audit. We want the inspector general of the U.S. Department of Transportation to investigate the MTA for every single federal dollar that they've been given to see where this money is actually going, because it seems no matter what you give them, it never ends. Remember, the governor said after we passed the infrastructure law last uh, year that they would not have to raise tolls or fares at least until 2025. And here we are. They're trying to not only raise tolls and fares on all the uh, bridges and trains and subways, but they're trying to hit us with this congestion fee as well. You know, and um, Congresswoman Maliotakis, it's like, to John's point, New York is getting socked in every direction. People are seeing the headlines. People are fleeing the state. 
I mean, we got to incentivize people to stay in New York, not drive them away. I mean, 484,000 people have left New York City, New York State in 24 months. And now they want to chase out businesses because some of the attorney generals in, in New York are going after the businesses. Yeah, and, and this is not about the environment, John, because, if, you know, this, this will, the studies actually show that it will shift the cars and the pollution to the outer boroughs, the areas surrounding this exclusive uh, zone. So if it, it's really not about that. It's about MTA trying to get more money from hardworking uh, New Yorkers. As a matter of fact, um, we're calling for a complete environmental impact study to evaluate all the, all the consequences of what would be a first-in-the-nation program. No other city in America has congestion pricing. And it's uh, only London in London. Has it in quite yeah, London has it, and quite frankly, uh, we had Boris Johnson actually see us at the Capitol, and he told us it was a bad idea. Don't do it to New York. Um, and, and, and what we want is them to take their time and thoroughly analyze what the economic impact will be, what the environmental impact will be. But no, they're trying to you know, jam this through. So we're hoping we could stop it at the federal level. That's why we created this bipartisan uh, anti-congestion pricing caucus to, to try to stop Nicole Ed, Ed Cox here you would think in a budget that's twice the budget of Florida when Florida's yep. got two million more people they'd mm-hmm. be able to find some money to make sure that the MTA was whole how much money is this uh, congestion pricing supposed to take in it's about uh, 1.5 uh, billion annually but uh, that's what you know the mayor's spending mm-hmm. to house uh, migrants in New York City hotels, it's more than... And they than can't find that in the in the New York State yeah. budget? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. amazing. And in the state budget, they, they gave stimulus checks to those in the country illegally, which was about $2 billion. So, you know, the money's there if the state and the city want to pony it up. But the problem is this. How is the MTA spending it? We go through this all the time. They get more money, and they still say they come crying back Governor to Patterson, what do you say you? I think the biggest problem right now is that in Manhattan, Manhattan is suffering economically where the other parts of the city are gaining because people aren't coming into Manhattan. So why would you charge them to come in on top of that now? You're correct, 100%. Absolutely. Thank you, Nicole Mighty Thank you. Thank you, uh, Governor Patterson, Ed Cox. Thank you, Congresswoman. Always common sense. Thank you, Nicole. And uh, let's go to a break, and we're going to listen to Lou Dobbs. What happens in the markets today? Oh, I don't want to know. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. Uh, wow, what a, what a half, for, the first half hour was full of uh, action packed. And we've action. got another great half and hour. Another coming half up. hour. Tell us who's going to be in the next half hour. Yeah, well, coming up, we're going to be talking to David Soares in just a minute. Of course, the DA there in Albany County who is taking on bail reform. It's going to be fascinating. A Democrat. Um, also, we have coming up Dr. Mark Siegel, a blockbuster uh, study that came out that says that U.S. has basically one of the lowest life expectancies in the world, and especially of all the G7 nations. And we have Congressman Barney Frank. Can't wait to talk with him about yes, all the bank issues. Yes, he's on the issues. board of directors. Was on, he was uh, in Congress uh, overseeing the banks, it, the, the famous Dodd-Frank uh, bill in Congress with the Senate. He has, he's the same Frank, and he was on the board of the Signature Bank. A lot of people saying Signature should not have gone down. We'll see what Barney Frank has to say. 
Yeah, really powerful. And joining us now, uh, we have David Soares, the district attorney in Albany, who is on the line right now. And um, Mr. D.A., we're so glad to have you here on Cats and Cosby. You wrote um, a really blockbuster column um, in the New York Post, basically saying what the victims of bail reforms um, are, you know, blacks, Latinos, minorities, um, you know, that that it's really hurting the communities. The truth, the truth of this can no longer be hidden, and we have to, uh, we have to broaden uh, the, the discussion. My hope was that I was allowed to, to engage with the legislature a while back, and as you know, from the last time we had this conversation, I was not permitted to, to uh, engage with them. But the, the reality is, is that uh, um, you know, for Black and Brown communities, uh, those are the communities that are experiencing the greatest hardship. Uh, the greatest rates of victimization right now as a result of the confluence of all of these reforms. And and, and this legislature has to take a serious look at these issues. And Judge Weinberg. It's nice to talk to you again, Mr. District Attorney. You're absolutely correct. And it's it's the so-called bail reform, but it's not just that. It's the discovery laws. It's the raise the age. There's a whole confluence of legislative initiatives that have hurt criminal justice, and public safety. And it's up to the legislature to change this, and it's up to the governor to take the leadership during this budget process to make sure this is done. Otherwise, the city and the state are in big trouble. What say you, Mr. District Attorney? Judge, I couldn't say it better myself. I mean, our greatest obligation is government. Greatest obligation is to protect the citizenry. And and if we can't protect people from just... If we can't provide security, then what are we providing? And I feel, and I'm not the only one, um, but I do feel that in this instance, we, we've seen, um, unfortunately, members of my own party pursuing equity at the expense of security for the very people that they claim to be pursuing equity for. And Governor Patterson. Uh, uh, Mr. District Attorney, is David Patterson. Uh I remember when you ran for office in 2004, this man had the temerity as an ADA to run against the DA because he didn't think the office was operating properly. And we were both very progressive thinkers at that particular time. And we probably on a lot of issues are still progressive. But what is it about people who just can't seem to understand that the demographic has changed? The crime rate has changed even where crimes occur in the state. It's not just in certain communities. It's everywhere. And why is it that nobody seems to want to address that at this particular critical time in our history? Sir, first of all, it's so nice to talk to you again. It's uh, I, I miss you up here. Uh, wonderful times we had while you were in Albany. You know, you know uh, what is so frustrating um, for me is the fact that, again, you, you and I were both considered to be progressives at once upon a time. And I think we both can agree that our, our penal code, our, our criminal procedure law needed to some, some fixes, uh, needed to be def- definitely brought into the 21st century. But what happened uh, back in 2017 with Raise the Age and again in 2019 was just too drastic. And, and people are hurting for different reasons. Um, you know, imagine working in a system, working within a system that does not permit judges to consider dangerousness. I mean, that that to me is is just it demonstrates um, how far we have fallen from from good policy making. We're the only um, we're the only state in the nation, Mr. District Attorney, where my colleagues cannot look at the dangerousness 
and deal with it. The federal system allows you to do that. Plus, you also have that ridiculous concept, the least drastic uh, alternative. Would you explain that to the audience? Sure, sure. You know, in the state of New York, we have gone from from presumptive release, which means you can commit the vast majority of misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies, and you could walk into a courthouse and walk out the same day because there, there's presumptive release. But then there's this other basket, this other basket where uh, when a judge can consider placing conditions upon your lease, that judge, uh, your release, that judge must consider the least restrictive non-monetary condition. Now, imagine for a moment you as a parent having your child take your car, crash it into a pole. And when your child comes home after having taken your car, you can only apply the least restrictive condition as to how you go about addressing that individual, your, your own your own child. And that's what we have right now in our state. And that's what's unfortunate. And my hope is that uh, is that the governor will, will get the support. I am calling on on the elected officials, legislators and members of the assembly who I know in private conversations have agreed with me. And and I'm asking them to to take a stand and break your silence uh, and and to trust me that the people are with you, whether they are retailers, whether they are citizens, whether they are people of color. The people are with you, despite what you're hearing in the echo chamber at the Capitol. Mr. D.A., it's Ed Cox, and I'm glad you're getting off of just the issue of cashless bail, which everyone's focused on politically. Raise the age is also a problem, and the discovery issues are a problem. And I think they, uh, some of these issues cause problems with holding on to assistant D.A.s who are working with you. That's the problem here, sir, and I'm glad you're I'm glad you're bringing that because what we have seen right now is a massive drainage on on our partners in law enforcement, our police, um, which which seem to be leaving the force in droves. We also have uh, prosecutors that are abandoning uh, their positions that they once truly uh, enjoyed because of the burden that is being placed. And, and the and the fact of the matter is, where once upon a time we were spending seventy percent of our time talking to victims and building our cases. We are now spending 70% of our time chasing down documents, chasing down instrument reports, chasing down all sorts of of material that we have to turn over in one of the most onerous calendar periods that uh, I can describe. And it's really doing a disservice to public safety. Well, you keep up the great work and keep up the good fight. Uh, District Attorney there, Democrat in Albany, David Suarez, really great to have you here on the show, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. And guys, by the way, a stunning uh, new information that the U.S. has the lowest life expectancy of all the G7 nations. Uh, and that we were at one point, we were 13th in terms of life expectancy. Now we're number 53 in the world. And joining us to talk 53. about 53. And we're America, John. We're the best country in the world. What's going on? Well, joining us to talk about all of this is Dr. Mark Siegel from Fox News. Uh, we love having you here, doctor. You know, uh, Rita, there's a number of reasons for this. It's not just here. It's in the U.K., too. That is coming out simultaneously. Uh, and, you know, one of the things is that we're seeing actually shockingly uh, women, 1,205 women in 2021 died of maternal causes. That's an increase. And part of the reason for that is the delay in seeking care because of the pandemic. But the overarching theme here, in addition to COVID deaths, of course, or related deaths, is that people uh, that are we're not getting care into into socioeconomic disadvantaged areas. That's the, that's always been the problem. That's got a lot gotten a lot worse. 
And why do you attribute it to like what, you know, you brought up some of these factors, but you would think we're the best in the world. Obviously, look, life, um, the expected life expectancy is still uh, over 68. It was 68 in the 50s. Now it's like 78. We're living longer. But the problem is everybody else is catching up ahead of us. Well, I don't know. You know, I, this is a great angle on this because I wouldn't argue that healthcare is better in other parts of the world. Yeah, I by the way, everybody... I've seen some pretty crummy hospitals in uh, yeah. Morocco and elsewhere, boy. Yeah, I mean, yes. We have great medical centers. We have great medical schools. We have great emergency rooms, especially on the West Coast, by the way. Amazing what emergency rooms in <laughs> Seattle and San Francisco and L.A. We've got, we've in, in Denver, here in New York at NYU, we've got great emergency rooms. We've got great cancer care. We have amazing heart disease, and we're groundbreaking on that. I, I, think, I think the issue is that in addition to what I just said about the pandemic and, uh, and the idea that we don't get this care into underserved areas, there's, there's two other issues. One is that there's a resistance in underserved areas to health care. They don't trust us. And the other is that we're too lazy, we're too sedentary, we don't eat right, and we don't exercise enough. So we're putting too much burden on the disease care system, if you will, instead of the health care system. Hey, did you know, Rita, health prevention does not take place in the doctor's office? I mean, me staring at somebody that's obese is not the solution. It's somebody getting on the bike or on the treadmill or walking. Yeah, good point. Uh, although if you told us, I think we'd listen to you, doctor. <laughs> well, you would. You would. I don't think Casamitidis listens to a thing. I'm like listening. <laughs> I, I, you know, you haven't seen me in a month. I'm, I'm buying you. Next time you're in town, I'm buying your dinner. And uh, you'll see I've been eating better and uh, looking better. <laughs> he has, by the way, he has the energy today. of all of us, doctor. By the way, he has all of our energies combined. <laughs> I know that about him. And he's been on the road to that, by the way, of better eating and and. and losing weight for a while now he's he's very conscious of this he's not just saying this because we're on the air it's very true and i can't wait for that dinner i used to i used to eat 21 meals a a week now i eat 14 meals a week and i'm uh, also going to cut down on my protein intake wow he looks great he looks well, he's great. A, he's a role model for not needing Ozempic, right? He's a role model for not needing this stuff because we're, we're running out of it because all the celebrities are taking it. Well, and he has the best uh, numbers of anybody. When he tells the results, I'm like, he has like the results of like an 18-year-old in terms of the blood work. I mean, uh, whatever you're doing, it's it's good advice. And John is living it and looks great. Dr. Siegel, thank you very much. We love and having you here. I look here. forward to our dinner. We'll talk offline when you're around. And I'm always around for those dinners. They're unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. And coming up, we have Congressman Barney Frank. John. Let's say, let's, could Barney Frank will let us know what the heck is going on in, in the banking industry. And let's take a break first, and we'll be right back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby, everybody talking about the state of banking in America and the banking collapses. And joining us now is former Congressman Barney Frank. He is one of the authors, of course, of that landmark legislation, Dodd-Frank, meant to prevent bank collapses. And you've been speaking out a lot. You were also on the banking committee. Certainly know your stuff. And uh, Congressman, great to have you here on the show. Thank you. It's an important topic, obviously. Uh, Congressman John Katsimatidis here. Uh, I do oh. I do a lot of business with Signature Bank, and and Sunday night I'm walking to dinner on Sunday night, and all of a sudden I get the the the, the beep on my phone. I said, 
oh, crap, oh, my God, you know, because I had a lot of money in that bank. And uh, uh, how did this whole thing come about? Well, first of all, your money will be protected by the announcement that the uh, deposits will be backed up, which is important. Uh, I think it had to do with the uh, beginning of FTX and the, uh, the, the question of crypto. We in Signature were not at risk because of crypto. We were early on in providing a platform for customers who want to deal with each other in crypto to do so. But we were not ourselves. Uh, we didn't have heavy, we didn't have crypto deposits. We weren't invested in crypto. But there was this association, crypto meant trouble. When Silicon Valley Bank, which was a big crypto bank and much more heavily invested in it than us, failed, that led some people to be nervous. So we got on Friday a classic run on the bank from depositors who said, well, wait a minute, crypto, that's bad. We're going to take our money out of signature and put it into J.P. Morgan Chase, et cetera, because it, it's not guaranteed, but we think they are safer. Uh, apparently, uh, the New York State federal regulators, they're the ones who close signature, not the federal people, but the, the New York State financial regulator uh, decided to shut us down. I think it was to send a message that you should stay away from crypto if you're a bank, even if you've done it as responsibly as us. They announced that they did it because they lost confidence in the leadership. But we were at a bank board meeting on February 15th with the regulators, a regularly scheduled meeting, and including that New York state regulator, and they never whispered that they had any lack of confidence in the official. They, in fact, thought there were problems with our executives. They had an obligation to tell the independent director, and they didn't do it. Wow, that's so, surprising. Well, can't, 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 shouldn't, my opinion... They should have, when I was uh, chairman of the executive committee of First New York Bank, and the regulators came in and said, you have to fire the chairman, and uh, I just fired, we fired the chairman, and I took over as chairman. Uh, can't no, they put somebody else in charge? That example. Yeah. That's what, they, that's what they absolutely failed to do, literally, let me repeat. February 15th, I think it was, we're in the board meeting in New York. Every independent director, all six of us, plus the executives, the regulator who ultimately shut us down, and they never said a word about lacking confidence. Um, so I think that was kind of an excuse. Oh, they also complained that the data they were getting was, was somewhat uh, jumbled, but that's because we were in the midst of this crisis. I believe by Sunday morning, we had staved off uh, the executives of our bank, the deposit outflow, and we had gotten liquidity. Um, uh, for some reason, the New York State regulator decided to shut us down. Other banks, like First Republic, in a similar situation, not under that New York regulator. First uh, Republic, First Republic, the J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, was his birthday on Monday, put in $70 billion into First Republic. And today, I believe that uh, a conglomerate of banks put in another 30 or $40 billion yeah, and if they keep them above water. Why didn't they do that with Signature? Why didn't they just shut them down? The reason is that the difference here, John, as usual, you understand it. It was the New York regulator. First Republic is not a New York under the New York regulator. It was the New York regulator that decided to shut us down. And you, and, somebody uh, tweeted from your tweet that you think it was a little bit political. Was there anything political? I don't know that. I, I don't uh, no, I don't tweet, so I don't know who did that. But uh, I Somebody put, put a tweet out in your name, so you, you're denying that was your tweet, which is fine. You should yeah. do that. 
Con- Congressman Ed, Ed Cox down. here. From your from your broader view that you had as a member of Congress of the banking system, can officials really by standing up and saying, oh, the banking system is safe, shutting down a few, putting extra cap on others, do you think you can really stop that this run can be stopped or do you think it's going to just keep going? No, I think it can be stopped not by just standing up and saying I think by what they have done, they've stopped it. And by the way, I think uh, – Going forward, we're going to be okay. And let me say this. They announced two things. The FDIC said they backstopped deposits well beyond beyond the 250. They backstopped temporarily all deposits. So there's no fear now that you'll, you'll lose your money. That's why John's money will be safe. And the uh, Federal Reserve announced a liquidity facility so you could go to the Federal Reserve and get the liquidity. In other words, if your balance sheet is sound, but you got a temporary liquidity crisis because it runs, you'll be protected. If they had announced that on Friday, we would not have been in trouble. If they had let us open on Monday when they announced it, we would not have been in trouble. And so the reason we got hit was something that the New York State regulator did. It had nothing to do with – they had the FDC, ITIC come in. But the federal regulators didn't shut us down. The New York okay. regulator did. And uh, I, I, the only thing I can speculate is that they were trying to send an anti-crypto message because it was – no, but let me last thing. On, on a Sunday over the weekend? I mean, this this is silly. Uh, Congressman – Let me add to this. Yeah, let me it's, add one point. They have never said that we were insolvent. Nobody that I talked to can remember a bank being shut down by a regulator that hadn't been found to be insolvent. So Agreed. this is this is uh, David Patterson. Congressman, it was there a uh, – point when even the New York State regulator consulted with the feds before doing this? I I don't know. I mean, if they knew that the Fed was planning to do this and the FDIC, the backstop depositors, there would have been no rationale for shutting us down, except they're saying they lost confidence in the officials. And as John noted, uh, in most cases, in all cases, if the regulators think there's a problem with the people running the bank, they have an obligation to tell the board. We sat with them two weeks ago, and they never mentioned this. Sounds like a publicity wow. grab, if that's yeah. what, what happened. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, – right. how much equity was uh, wiped out, uh, in theory, at uh, Signature Bank? I mean well, – uh, uh, The deposits. Yeah, the, our equity was good. We didn't lose any equity. Well, the, I mean, if you have stock in the, if you have stock in Signature Bank, it's, oh, now you'll be in trouble. Yeah. Yes, we you're lost, in trouble. Uh, it was a cut, a, at least a hundred billion. Yes, uh, it, it, I don't know the exact, so, exact so, number. So, so, so the FDIC is not going to lose because I believe there's enough, uh, enough loans and enough uh, uh, collateral yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to pay. And the only people who's going to lose is the, the shareholders. The shareholders. Lost. Wow. Exactly. They may, by the way, they may. There is a fund into which all banks yes deposit insurance funds. So no, the deposit will be made whole. Congressman, yeah, Congressman, thank you. We have not had dinner in a long time. I look forward to next time you're in New York. Let's have dinner again, like we did in the past. And I look forward. I agree. Thank you so much. Thank you, you, uh, Congressman. uh, Thank you, Congressman uh, Barney Frank. And guys, what do we stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.